0: i it from the car again, not because I really want it to be from the car, but because that's where I am, and it's Sunday, and I owe you guys something. It's Palm Sunday, for crying out loud. <sighs> Let's hit it. There are Jews in the world, there are Buddhists, there are Hindus and Mormons, and then there are those that follow Mohammed's butt. I've never been one of them. Oh Lord, oh, you are so big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. Today for Palm Sunday, I really kind of want to talk about something that's on my mind. kind of hit me last week. Do you think places have memories? I, I know it seems like a weird thing to ask this morning, but don't worry. I drank my coffee, took my Wilbutrin and Adderall. For firing all cylinders that I was given. But aren't there places in your life that evoke such strong memories when you go back to them you can almost see, feel, and smell those past experiences? Or maybe you've stood in a place and felt the stories emanating from its walls. Hmm. I feel that way inside some churches that I've been to, like all saints back in Las Vegas. It was my home for like 30 years. So when I'm in that building, I think back to all the people that prayed there, who wept there, celebrated, worshiped there, got married, baptized, died, the memorials. Those people who knelt at that altar and met God in all of its grace and glory. There's so many memories in these places. All those emotions and stories. Just sometimes stop for yourself. Listen. You can hear those whispers from the past. And that's what makes those places sacred. There was an article forever ago about a man named Paul Veneto. He was a a retired flight attendant for United Airlines. He usually worked the route from Boston to New York City. And on uh, September 11th, 2001, he had that day off. It was on that day that a group of 19 terrorists hijacked four planes, including the flight he was usually on and deliberately flew him into uh, the towers. 2,977 people died that day. The tragedy and loss of so many of his friends led Paul into this self-destructive spiral. He got addicted to opioids. He felt like he had nothing to live for, but luckily, After a long, heartfelt battle, in 2015, he gave up drugs for good. And to honor those colleagues who died in the crash in 2021, he found the most meaningful way for him to honor that. So in August, Paul Vanito began walking from Boston, Massachusetts, to New York City. That's more than 200 miles His goal was honoring those colleagues at the 20th anniversary commemoration ceremony at Ground Zero, the spot where those trade towers once stood. And Vinito walked this whole way while pushing his flight attendant beverage cart. Now he placed pictures of those fallen friends on top of the beverage cart as a reminder of why he was doing it. And as he said, I look on top of this cart and I see those crew members' faces. And every time my legs hurt, I see those dead colleagues smiling up at me. And the pain just goes away. Can you imagine what that was like for Paul Veneto to walk into Ground Zero in New York City with those faces of the dead smiling up at him? Imagine the memories, emotions, and stories that surrounded him as he took that long walk to honor those friends. And like I said at the beginning, today is Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. It's today that Jesus made that grand entrance into Jerusalem to the sound of cheering crowds who are welcoming him as the Messiah. And in just a few days, he'll be surrounded by the same crowds. And they will loudly be demanding him executed at the hands of the Roman government let's zero in on this moment let's see it through jesus's eyes now to enter jerusalem the holy city the center of jewish worship and national identity he had to travel over the mount of olives for centuries the olives from that mountain were crushed for the making of oil used to anoint the priests and kings of israel so if ever there was a place that holds memories emotions and stories of the Jewish people, the Mount of Olives is that place. Jesus wasn't walking that route alone. As he traveled over those Mounts of Olives, he was carrying the voices of his nation's past, the promised hope for their future, and the story of God's plan unfolding about them. Not just for Israel, but for the world that all nations should be blessed through them and receive the salvation of God. So whose face did Jesus see as he walked the Mount of Olives? Maybe he saw the face of David, that shepherd boy anointed as Israel's king over a thousand years earlier. When David's son Absalom set out to overthrow his father's kingdom, David and his men escaped to the Mount of Olives. In 2 Samuel 15, we see that tragic picture of King David and his men weeping as they climbed to the mount for safety. He'd been the hope of the nation. Now that kingdom was threatened and he was running for his life. And it was at this moment that David stopped to pray on the side of the mountain. A long time ago, a journalist was interviewing a single mother who lived in a tar paper shack in Louisiana. She had raised eight children by herself, provided for them, and made sure they all got a good education. The journalist, filled with admiration for this woman, asked her what kept her going during those long years she worked so hard to feed and clothe and educate those kids. The woman simply replied, I saw a new world coming. How beautiful is that? I saw a new world coming. That woman, poorer than poor, Raising those kids alone caught a vision of a better future, and she committed herself to making that vision a reality. I wonder if, as David wept and prayed on the Mount of Olives, he saw a new world coming. I wonder if he caught a vision of this day when God would send the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, up into this mountain to restore the nation of Israel. As Jesus traveled the Mount of Olives on his way to Jerusalem, he carried the hopes of restoration with him I think the second face that Jesus saw as he traveled up the Mount of Olives with that prophet Zechariah. He lived and prophesied from the Mount of Olives more than 530 years before Jesus's ministry. He spoke to the Jews who had been exiled in Babylon. He spoke to that devastated nation, and he shared a vision of a day when Jerusalem and the temple would be rebuilt, when the exiles would be brought back to Israel, and when that nation could be restored. In Zechariah 9, the prophet shares an even greater vision, that someday Israel's king would come, quote, gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Israel was waiting for a king of power. Coming in on a horse with armor and a sword. But Zachariah told him that the Messiah would be a king of peace. Coming with love and compassion. So when Jesus told his disciples in verse 2 and 3 to go ahead of him to the village. To find a donkey and a colt to bring it to him. He was announcing that he is the king of peace. The promised messiah Zachariah had envisioned more than 500 years earlier. In 1944, at the end of World War II, Dutch artist Piet Mondrian, I always hope I pronounce those names right, I suck at them anyway. Anyway, he began a new painting to celebrate the end of the war. And he titled it, Victory Boogie Woogie." You know, after the lively piano music that he loved so much. Now, it was an abstract painting made of squares of rectangles of bright blue, yellow, and red. Mondrian was used these bright colors and energetic shapes to communicate the joy that he was feeling at the end of such a brutal conflict. Sadly, he contracted pneumonia while he was painting it, and he died before he could finish. His most joyful painting is also the only unfinished piece in his long career. See, Zechariah, like all the prophets before and after him, never got to see the promises of God fulfilled in his lifetime. He spent his entire life pointing to a future that he would never get to see. And he's buried on that Mount of Olives. And in his last recorded prophecy, in Zechariah 14, he announced that one day the Lord would stand on the Mount of Olives and he would be king over the whole earth. As Jesus traveled the Mount of Olives on his way to Jerusalem, he carried that vision of peace with him. And finally, as he traveled up that Mount of Olives, I think Jesus saw before him the faces of the entire nation of Israel, all of humanity, waiting on the promise of God's salvation and peace. I mentioned that Zechariah was buried on the Mount of Olives. Well, to be honest, for 3,000 years, devout Jews have been buried on the sides of that mountain. In fact, it's the largest and most important Jewish cemetery in the world. Some of the most prominent names in history are buried there. And one reason that the Mount of Olives is so important as a Jewish cemetery is that ancient Jewish prophets prophesied that the dead buried there would be the first to rise at the resurrection. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, a large crowd shouted, surrounded him and shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, Hosanna means save us. And these words the crowd shouted come from the 118th psalm. It's a greeting that would be used to welcome the Messiah when he came. The people of Israel expected Jesus to become their conquering king who would save them from the power of Rome and restore that kingdom of Israel. We can understand their need and their excitement. The cry of Hosanna was a shout to praise God. We will finally be delivered from the injustice and oppression of Rome. But Jesus came through the nation of Israel to deliver this world from all systems of injustice and oppression, from all the powers of evil and death. He's headed to Jerusalem this Sunday to offer himself as a sacrifice on our behalf so that he can fulfill God's promise of restoration, peace, and salvation for all people. There's a story that comes out of World War I, of a young soldier who asked permission to search for his buddy who was missing in the field of battle. The commanding officer gave him permission, but warned him that he'd be risking his own life to do it. The commanding officer ended his warning by saying, you can risk yourself if you want, but it won't pay. The young soldier went back to the front lines of the fighting and finally found his best friend, badly wounded and near death. He did his best to carry him back to camp to safety. But just as he got his best friend back to camp, his friend died. That's when the young soldier realized that he too had been mortally wounded. As the medics worked to save the young soldier's life, his commanding officer appeared at his bed and gruffly said, Well, it didn't pay, did it? But the soldier said, yeah, it paid. He was looking for me. He said he knew I would come. He was counting on me. So yeah, it paid. Jesus walked the Mount of Olives on his way to Jerusalem. He knew the people of Israel were looking for their Messiah. They knew he would come. But he also knew they did not expect him to come humbly and with gentleness A king of peace. The one who would deliver them from the power of death. And grant eternal life. He knew they would reject him. He knew they would crucify him. But it was all worth it. He laid down his life to restore us to God. And I hope we'll see Jesus' last week. This holy week. Through the eyes of Jesus of Nazareth. And in seeing we would also see just how much he loved us to give his life on our behalf. Amen. Well, I'm going to take this moment real quick to say Easter's next week. It's a big week. It is a full week. I got my stepkids coming with me and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun for Easter. Because he's a coming back. And so this week, I'm going to be reading and posting up here every day, especially on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else I can. I'm going to be sharing the readings for this Holy Week and what they mean. And why the imperialist way that the church has been isn't the Jesus way. And that in fact, the systems of government, and the systems that he was against, were adopted by the Christianity of the younger years. And now is the time that we get to break away if we so desire. And the first step is to remember this everybody is welcome. Everybody. So I love all of you. Take care. Take care of each other. And until next time, peace out, you fuckers.